Well, good morning. It's good to see you. Good to be here. Hey, I think it's June the 18th was the last time I was standing here. It's good to be with you. I, well, I was standing here last week, but uh, in the pulpit preaching, so good to be with you. How many of you are glad college football has started? <laughs> How many of you are glad you're a Georgia Bulldog fan? <laughs> How many of you are glad you're not a Carolina fan? <laughs> I love you, Keith Combs. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> now I'm in trouble. Now I'm in trouble. Everything was good till I had to bring that up. It's good to see you in church today. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Andy Stovall. I am the campus pastor here. I'm over small groups, I work with uh, folks, uh, do visitation in the hospital and preach and teach occasionally and so I'm glad to be with you today. We started a series last week about loneliness, well actually about the seasons of life, we're going to talk about loneliness today. We're in the seasons of life and what we talked about was the fact that all of us go through different seasons in life, right? Uh, One of the reasons I love living in the South is because we have seasons here. We have the spring, we have the summer, we have the fall, and we have a little bit of winter occasionally. But I love living in the South because of the seasons. But seasons of life can be difficult, can't they? What we learned last week was that we all go through seasons, and while they are largely out of our control, oftentimes... They're never out of God's control. They're often confusing. They're often frustrating. They're often tiring. But they're never out of God's control. And they include good times and bad times. How many of you know you have good seasons? You have seasons of prosperity. Seasons where everything is clipping along and man you get the promotion and the kids are making good grades and everything's going right. And then you have those seasons. That's the country music song, right? (laughs) Even the dog left you, you know? I mean it's just, we have those seasons, don't we? They're tough, but they're never out of God's control. And what we do in a given season, this is what we learned last week, has a profound impact on the season that is coming. So, we also learned to ask four questions. And these are the four questions that we ask, no matter what season of life we're in. We ask, what can I learn in this season, Lord? What is it you want to teach me? The second question What can I enjoy in this season? The third question, what is most important? How many of you know that a lot of times we go through seasons of life to help us get our priorities in order? And then fourthly, where can I serve during this season? Whether it's an easy time or a difficult time. Now, that's critical Because the more self-centered we are in any given season that we're going through, the tendency is that we'll be there longer. If it's all about me, if it's all about what I can get and what I can have during that time, or if it's all about woe is me, 
then it's going to be a season we linger in. So today, I jumped the gun, haven't been up here in a while, we're going to talk about loneliness. Loneliness. How many of you know that you can be in a room this big and be very, very lonely? You can be in a room surrounded by people and be incredibly, incredibly lonely. And there are two types of people in the room here today. Two of you. Those who are going through a season of loneliness right now. And those who God wants to use to help those who are going through that season. So you're going through a season of loneliness. Or you have the opportunity to help somebody that's going through that. So here's the goal. Whatever the season, I want you to view it not as a dead end, but as a stepping stone to higher ground. An opportunity to go somewhere great with God. God doesn't want us to be lonely. When we talk about the season of loneliness, He doesn't want us to be Lonely. What did he tell us in Genesis chapter 2 during the creation? What did he say in verse 18? He said, it is not good for man to be what? Alone. The only time he said it is not good was when he was talking about us being alone. In 1988, there was a study done by a lady named Tiffany Field from the University of Miami. She conducted a study on premature infants. Those infants that were massaged 15 minutes a day, three times a day, gained weight 47% faster than the ones that were left alone. 47% faster. Now, there are a lot of us that are here today saying, I don't want a massage today, honey. See, because they didn't eat more food. They just got a massage. That's my problem. That's what's been going on. Kirsten, you've got to quit massaging me, all right? They were also discharged from the hospital six days earlier, saving the family $3,000 in medical expenses because of that. We were not meant to be alone. We were made to be in relationship. We were made to be touched and to hug, and that's why we do greet your neighbor at church. You hugged somebody today that got hugged for the first time this week. You ever think about that? Some of you are like, man, I got kids. They're all over me all the time. But somebody got their first hug this week, today. We need each other. So to help us sort this out, I want us to spend some time in a New Testament story in 2 Timothy chapter 4. If you have the Bible app on your phone, you can go to that. You can click down at the bottom on more. And it will take you to the Princeton campus. And you can find notes that you can fill in as we study. Or you can write them down with the note card provided in the seat back right in front of you. But I want us to look at 2 Timothy 4. The Apostle Paul himself gives us the background of this powerful story. And in it we see four causes of loneliness. He is at the end of his life. He is in prison. And he's lonely. And there are four things that he points out that have made him lonely. And then four cures or responses, if you will, to loneliness. We know we're going to be lonely. I tell people all the time, you can't 
stop things happening in your life. You can't keep uh, a lot of times bad things from taking place. But what we do have 100% control over is how we respond to them, right? And so we're going to talk about looking at some of the things that happen to us in our life, but also the way that God wants us to respond. A healthy way to respond so that we know healing and hope. So there are four major causes of loneliness that we'll find in 2 Timothy 4. The first is change. Change is the first cause of loneliness. 2 Timothy 4, 6 says, The time has come for my departure. I am ready to be offered. I have finished this course. I have run this race. I have fought a good fight. Change. You know, life transitions happen. It's like a trapeze artist. You know, he endures change. Or she does. When they're swinging on that trapeze and they decide, hey, I'm going to grab the other swing, there's a moment in time where they have to make a decision that we're going to change. I'm going to let go of this trapeze and I'm going to grab a hold of that one. And I would imagine in the gap in between, there's a little bit of loneliness, if not utter and complete terror. Okay? For me, it would be the latter. Just go ahead and stick a fork in me, I'd be done. I won't. I would never do that. Remember the first day of school? Remember how that felt? Oh, my goodness. Remember graduating from school and then you always having that dream that you've gone to school and you don't have clothes on? What's that all about? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> or then the one where you go and, and you, you finish and you think you're done. But you're still in school, but you're, you're not going anymore, and they tell you you can't graduate. Anybody ever have that dream? I got up after I graduated from college about 70 times and made sure I had my diploma because I just dreamed I didn't have it. I don't know what that's all about. That's something weird. That isn't even loneliness. I don't even know why I brought it up. But anyway, <laughs> welcome to the bridge. <laughs> How about graduation, the scattering of old friends, a new job where you don't know anybody, you're the low man on the totem pole. How about a new church? It's a tough journey, isn't it? It's a tough journey when you go to a new place, you don't know anything. Even if you feel like God's called you to that place, it's still tough. It's tough to go through that transition. Paul is at the end of his life. We have loved ones and friends. A lot of us know people that are in nursing homes. Did you know that 70% of people that are in nursing homes have no company? Nobody visits them. That's why it's so awesome to take advantage of an opportunity at Christmas or other times during the year, maybe weekly, just to visit the nursing home and love on some people that never have company because change is hard. Especially this change, and Paul was facing it at the end of his life. So that's the first cause of loneliness. Then the second cause is separation. Separation can cause loneliness. When we're isolated from people that we love, either with a job or school. How many of you are so thankful for the military family we have here in Wayne County? Aren't we thankful for them? Mm -hmm. 
We got wonderful members of our church family that are here today who are separated from their spouses because of deployment. That's tough. That is a difficult thing to go through. Paul said in 2 Timothy 4 and 9, do your best to come to me quickly. Get here before winter. He said, Demas had forsaken me. Crescens went to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia, Tychicus to Ephesus. Aren't you glad that your parents didn't stick you with any of these names? Good grief. Where did you find these people, Paul? And why were their parents so mad? I don't know. But he was separated and it caused loneliness. He said, he said Luke was the only one that's with me. Bring me Mark because he has been a blessing to me. These were men who traveled with him. They were companions in ministry. Paul didn't do ministry alone. He always did ministry with other people. But now he's in prison and he's separated from them. You don't have to be physically separated to be lonely. You can be lonely in your marriage. You can be lonely with family that live in the same home with you. You don't have to be physically separated to be alone. And there's a myth out there, folks. And I'm a rock. I'm an island and I don't need anybody. That is not true. We all need somebody. I need you. I need you in my life. I, I, I get up on Sunday morning. You know, there's Sunday, some Sunday mornings I wake up. I'm going to make a confession to you. I don't want to go to church some Sunday mornings, and I'm a preacher. <laughs> some Sunday mornings I get up, and I'm just like, man, I am not. Do you ever, get, you ever feel that way? Maybe you're here this morning, and you felt that way. You're like, God, I'm just not feeling it, but I know I need to go. And you get here, and you get with other people and other believers, and it's like, man, I'm so glad I'm here, God. Thank you for what you're giving me, and thank you for what I'm receiving. From the people that are in this room. We need each other. Then the third thing. That can create loneliness in our life. Is opposition. Mm. You ever had opposition? You ever had strife or discord at your job? That's a tough thing, isn't it? You ever had somebody misunderstand you? You know we live in a culture now where you can't have an opinion that differs from somebody else without, seems like, people getting mad at you. Come on, man. That resonated with some of y'all. I'm going to say it, Sean. <laughs> Sean and Candy, welcome back. God bless you guys. Brand new baby. I know y'all been here, but it's the first time I've been able to do it. I love you guys. So glad you're here, and thanks for cheering me on. <laughs> guys, we got to be able to have a share a differing opinion and not get mad. And hey, Christians, we got to be a we got to lead that charge. We got to lead that charge because that's what the world thinks of Christianity. They think we are we are judgmental and bullheaded and small-minded and we don't listen and we won't give an inch we got to lead the charge there second timothy 4 14 paul says alexander the metal worker did me a great deal of harm he strongly opposed our message and he actually told 
those that he was writing to, look out for him. I don't know exactly what he did. He was an idol maker. Well, when you start preaching the truth about who Jesus is, you know, when you're walking down a road and he strikes you blind, you get your sight back in three days and you were killing Christians and now you're not, people listen, right? They kind of listen because they're scared of you, you know. All right, we got a serial killer here. We're going to listen to everything he says. Uh, But seriously, he said, look out. Because this guy opposed me and he made it very, very difficult for me. See, when we feel opposition, you know, kids on the playground or whatever the case may be, the temptation is that we pull into a shell. just say well I'm going to go along to get along and that's fine for everybody that's around you but it eats you up inside and then the last the fourth thing that I want to mention is certainly not the last this is not an exhaustive list but the last thing is rejection you may have been rejected in 2 Timothy 4 16 he says no one came to my support Everyone deserted me. All those names, those weird names I just read to you, said none of them. I went on trial. I went to prison. Nobody spoke on my behalf. In a crowd like this, i got to believe there's some people here that have felt rejection. I remember as a kid, you know, children can be the meanest people on the planet. I remember as a child, I was thinking about this, and gosh, the Lord just ate my lunch. But I was thinking about it when I was a kid, and I was uh, in a youth group, and I'd gone and sat down at a table, and it was actually one of my siblings, so I should have expected it. But I sat down with my brother and some of our friends, and when I sat down, all of them got up and left. I was sitting there eating all by myself. Now that was a long time ago. But it hurt deeply. And I'll talk to you about how we respond to that. You've been hurt deeply. Somebody did something far worse to you this morning than get up from a table and walk away and leave you there by yourself to eat your Big Mac alone. Somebody hurt you. Somebody rejected you. Somebody disappointed you. And I want to say to you this morning that I'm sorry. I'm sorry that happened to you. I'm sorry that you endured that. I'm sorry that you had to go through that. God didn't want that to happen to you. And He's here. See, our fear of coming into a relationship with Jesus is that we might get the same thing from Him when He finds out who we really are. When He finds out what we've really done. When he knows our past, can he really love me? I want you to hear me this morning. 
God knows and God cares and he will not walk out on you. He knows, he cares, and he will not walk out on you. He will not reject you. He will not leave you at the table alone. Whether your loneliness is caused by change or separation or opposition or rejection or some other cause, here is the truth that I want you to hear this morning. If you don't deal with it, you are stuck there. You've got to deal with the loneliness. The cure or the response to loneliness is not natural. It's supernatural. You can't combat loneliness in the natural. A lot of people try to do it. They do it through becoming a workaholic. I'm just going to work all the time. I'm going to throw myself into busyness all the time. And go, 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 go. For some it is materialism. I'm just going to buy things. Stuff will make me happy. A new boat, a new car, a new house. Multiple of those. And if you need to share some, I'll got some space in my driveway. Anti-materialism. I don't want anything. I'm selling it all. I'm getting rid of everything I got. Pleasure. I'm just going to do what makes me happy. I deserve to be happy. It is the number one mantra of the self-centered life. I know that's hard to say amen to, but that's the truth. I can't tell you how many counseling sessions I sit in where marriages are absolutely, completely, almost, if not already, dissipated. And a person will sit and look at me and say, I'm just not happy anymore. I'm happy always has a name. It's an excuse. And it's a self-centered way to live. Don't live that way. Or anti-pleasure. I'm just going to... You know, we, we live with, in, a, in a society, too, where our children are struggling. What do I mean by anti-pleasure? People are cutting themselves. They're harming themselves. They're hurting themselves. Anything to relieve the pain of loneliness. But it doesn't dull it. It doesn't make it go away. So what's the answer? Well, Paul gives us the answer. In this passage in 2 Timothy, I hope you'll go home today and read the entire chapter. I didn't have time to do it this morning, but the entire chapter, 2 Timothy chapter 4. Because he talks about how this world is going to be um, just unsettled and refuse to hear sound doctrine. And all they want to do is what they want to do. And what Paul is calling us to do is turn to him. He said, in my time of loneliness, this was my response. Response number one, I decided to utilize my time. To utilize my time for something good. Paul says, everybody goes through lonely seasons. 
Make the best of it. If you're lonely, make the best of that season. Resist the temptation to do nothing. If you can't be a rose garden, bloom where you're planted. Right? Amen. I'm not a rose garden. I might be a dandelion, but I'm on bloom where I'm planted. Just don't get the roundup after me. Remember two questions from last week? What can I enjoy during this season and what is important? Those are the questions that we ask when we're utilizing our time. So how did Paul respond to this? In 2 Timothy 4.13, he said, Bring the cloak, bring my scrolls, and especially the parchments. I'm in prison. All my friends have rejected me. Nobody stood up for me when I was at my trial. And I'm in prison. So what do I want? What's the first thing I'm going to ask for? I'm going to ask for my cloak. Which is probably damp and disgusting. I want to stay warm. A comfort of home. I want my scrolls. And I want my parchments. See, he wanted his scrolls because he didn't want to stop learning. He wanted his parchments because he wanted to write. And he wrote, and he wrote, and he wrote. And aren't you glad he wrote? 2,000 years later, he is helping us learn and deal with the season of loneliness. Nearly half of the New Testament we enjoy because Paul wrote. Because he made use of the time that God has given him. Corey Ten Boom. I don't know how many of you have read The Hiding Place. You know the story of Corey Ten Boom. An amazing woman. Was imprisoned, then was sent to a concentration camp during World War II. There's so much about her story that I could share, but one of the incredible things about how she utilized her time, she was in a camp, and she was in a part of the camp was that, that was infested with fleas. Have y'all heard this story before? Where she was staying was infested with fleas. And, and so the guards would come and they would, they would go to every other place, but they would stay away from where she was because there were so many fleas in it. And it enabled her to have Bible study with the women that were there with her. So they couldn't do it any other place in the camp, but they could have Bible study in the flea-infested place that nobody else wanted to be. She utilized time that God gave her so ask yourself this question what can I do now what can I do right now while I'm lonely that would be difficult to do with people around me what is it God wants me to do with this time I'm lonely I'm having a difficult time focusing I don't really want a lot of people around me, but God, what can I learn from you right now? Paul said, I'm going to create some action right here while I'm in jail. Others could have sat and soured and been mad and said, 30 years of my life I've invested in ministry and in you, and here I am, and you're out there. And mm, How many of you know sitting and stewing about something? Doesn't make it go away, it doesn't make it better. It actually makes it bigger. And it gives that thing more power in your life. Take it back today.
Second thing he did, he minimized the hurt. He said, I'm going to minimize my hurt. When Jesus is not the focus, then that loneliness just grows and becomes this enormous thing. I said it just a moment ago. We can't rehearse over and over and over again the things that have happened to us. Because here's what we don't realize. Every time you rehearse the bad thing or that, that lonely feeling or you're in that tough place and, and you, it's just playing over and over and over and over and over in your mind. Why this thing happened to me? You're putting one brick on top of another brick on top of another brick that forms a wall around you. And here's the truth about walls. Yeah, they keep the pain out. But they keep people from getting in too. And we need each other. Remember Genesis 2? It is not what good that man should be alone. And then thirdly, I must recognize my Lord. I must recognize my Lord. Paul realized that even though everyone else had left him, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 17, he says, But the Lord stood by my side and gave me strength. When you're lonely, where is God? When you're lonely, where is He? He's where He's always been. He's right beside you. All you have to do is call out. All you have to do is seek Him. And you will find Him. That's what he's asking us to do today. He says, he told his disciples, I will not leave you comfortless. He told us, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. There was a preacher one time on an airplane that was sharing that passage of scripture with a lady. And they hit a bunch of turbulence. And she said, I hear you, preacher. I know that, lo, Jesus is with me always, even to the end of the age. But we're high. What are we going to do now? He said, I thought about it. I needed to make a pastoral decision. And so I called all the flight attendants together and we took up an offering. <laughs> that was my attempt at funny. So <laughs> Crash and burn. Yeah, get me some get me some water there. Glad I put the lid on it. <laughs> Recognize our Lord. I will make loneliness a time to become better acquainted with God. In that time that I'm going through, I want to become better acquainted with God. Listen to praise and worship music. Get in the word. Pray. Faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by what? The Word of God. You want to build your faith? Because that's what's going to get you out of this loneliness. That's what's going to get you away from it. Is stepping out by faith and trusting God. Get with Him. Pray. Prayer is a powerful anecdote. He is on call. You will find Jesus 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. You can talk to Him anytime, day or night. He will never Turn you away. 
you're going to stay stuck until you utilize your time, you minimize the hurt, you recognize your Lord, and then fourthly, you emphasize your opportunities. Emphasize the opportunities. Do you know who the loneliest man in the world is? It's not the Maytag man, okay? The loneliest, loneliest man or woman in the world is the one that is wrapped up in themselves. Because God wired us to live our lives with others. He designed us to have friends. If you're in a season of loneliness right now, don't say, I don't have any friends. Don't complain and say, nobody likes me. Nobody's focusing on me. Nobody's looking at me. Focus on others. The Bible says if we want to have friends, we show ourselves friendly. Paul said in 2 Timothy 17b, So that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. What is his opportunity? To share the good news. And how did he do it? He wrote. And he wrote. He wrote in that prison cell, in that time of loneliness, he emphasized the opportunity. Where's your opportunity today? Maybe in this time of loneliness, it's allowed you to see some things you've done to some other people. And the opportunity is to get something right. We need to stop building walls and we need to start building bridges. That's the opportunity. Make it about others. Reach out to others. Connect with others. I mentioned Corey Tim Boone a moment ago, and in the place that she was in that concentration camp. And there's a lot. When when she when she was first put in the concentration camp, she was in a cell the size of a full size mattress with four people it was her and three other women and a pot to literally go to the bathroom in disgusting putrid smelly there were times the only room she had in that room was just to stand she got sick they moved her to a cell by herself to affirm how important it is for us to have one another, she said in her writings that she, would she preferred being in the cell with the three other women as dirty and as uncomfortable as it was than being in that place all alone. I don't know if this is true or not, but some of the writings say that she even talked to ants that would crawl on the floor because she was so lonely. But do you know the opportunity she emphasized in all of that that she went through? I mean, you think there's somebody that had a right to be mad about some stuff? Got mistreated? Before they were moved from uh, the camp, the original camp she was in to the other camp, all the men in the camp they were in were executed. And then the women were sent away and they had to listen to it for hours. I can't even begin to imagine 
what she endured. Her sister, who also was taken and locked up with her, she died in captivity. But Betsy told her sister, we must tell them there is no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper. On her deathbed, she told Corey that. I'm glad she listened. I'm glad she shared. You know what's tough about that? That wasn't just for those that were in captivity. She was sharing that for the captors. Because if you read her autobiography, the, the thing that did more for her, healing and recovery and making leaps and bounds and being restored was forgiveness. It was forgiveness. You want to know the key to this? So that through me, the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And when Paul was talking about the friends that rejected him, do you know what he said to God? Lord, don't hold it against them. Don't hold it against them. They said nothing, and I'm in prison now, but don't hold that against them, Lord. I forgive them. And I'm asking you to do it as well. See, Corey Tin Boom rechanneled her love. She helped hundreds of Jews and has influenced millions. She influenced thousands before her death and millions after. Paul made a tremendous impact on the world that he lived in. And you have an opportunity. I'm going to ask you to do something this morning. I'm going to ask you to risk rechanneling your love, giving yourself away, and saying, Lord, I'm going to step out by faith and trust you enough to forgive. And I'm going to trust you enough that I'm going to, in this season of loneliness, I'm going to respond in a way that's going to bring hope and health and healing in my life. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not in a season of loneliness. I want you to take the opportunity to pray and say, God, help me reach out to somebody I know is hurting. Somebody I know is lonely. Somebody I know that has experienced change or separation or opposition or rejection. And I'm going to utilize an opportunity to love them. You're here today and you say, well, you don't understand how bad my heart aches. You don't understand how, how I've been hurt. And you're right. There are a lot of you that have experienced things that I can only imagine. And I wouldn't stand here today and tell you I understand what you're going through because I don't. God does and he loves you and he's right here he's right here here's what I know 
Satan wants you to believe that nobody cares about you. He wants you to believe that this rejection that you have received, he wants you to believe that this loneliness that you feel, you deserve it. And nothing could be further from the truth. We prayed before this service started this morning and asked God to break some chains. See, loneliness is a bondage. It keeps you bound up, paralyzed, and immobile. God has a purpose for your life. God has a plan for your life. And what He's wanting you to do, what He's calling you to do this morning, is step out of that place and step into His love. Will you trust Him today? Maybe you never have because you have always felt rejected. You've always felt lonely. You can't remember a time when you didn't feel it. You've carried it so long. Today's the day to put it down. I'm going to ask you to do something. And here's who I want to come to this altar this morning. I want the people who are dealing with loneliness and I want the people who have an opportunity to help somebody who's walking in loneliness. I want you to come. So that means I want everybody to come to the altar today. And can we pray and close our time out this morning right here at this altar before the Lord. Now at the end of our time together this morning, we're going to have uh, folks here at the altar who are, would be more than happy to pray for you. I hope you'll stay. I hope you'll receive prayer if that's something that you desire. If loneliness is something that you're battling, if this message has resonated with you and you said, you know what, Pastor, I know it's something I've, I've been struggling with and I, honestly, I didn't even realize I was holding on to it. I just thought it was something that had a hold of me. Give it to God this morning. Would you trust Him with it? Now we're talking about loneliness and we're talking about our need for one another and I don't want anybody to feel uncomfortable but if you're comfortable enough to do it would you just reach up and put your hand on the shoulder of the person in front of you or beside you and let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for what it teaches us. I thank you for the truth that we find in 2 Timothy chapter 4, where Paul in this prison, feeling alone and rejected, says, I'm not going to wallow in that. I'm not going to sit in that. I'm going to make use of this time. I'm going to forgive, and I'm going to risk rechanneling my love, and I'm going to share the good news of Jesus with a world that needs it desperately. What is it you need to do? What step do you need to take this morning? Your first step may be here this morning saying, God, I'm just going to trust you. I've never trusted you. I've never said, yes, I'll follow Jesus. Today, I say yes to you, Lord. If that's the decision you need to make, I pray that you do that right now where you stand.
if you're here this morning and this message of loneliness has just really resonated with you and it, it is something you have battled and it's like God read your mail today. I pray that you will risk trusting Him with it. The other reality about things that we carry in our lives for years and years and years is that they, they even though they're not good for us, they almost become a, a daily companion, just something that we're used to and we don't let it go because we don't know how to live any differently. God's got so much more for you. Yeah, it's a season, and we all feel it. We all experience it. We all go through it. But what I don't want you to do is believe the lie that this is just your life. And you're stuck here, and there's no way out. God is here. Give it to Him. Risk rechanneling that energy into trusting and serving Him and into loving and serving others. God, I thank you for this word today. I needed this word today. Lord, for those of us who are wearing masks, that we would take them off we would be vulnerable enough to let people see who we really are and where we really are so that you can heal us the way you truly desire to. God, we receive from you everything you have for us today. We acknowledge that you are right here a whisper away and that we are not alone. Can you say that with me out loud? I am not alone. God is with me. Thank you, Lord, for setting me free from the bondage of loneliness. In Jesus' name.